Hello and welcome. I'm Joe Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. Joining Luke and I on this episode is Chelsea Cassio. Chelsea worked as a copywriter and features writer before turning her hand to scriptwriting. Her short film, Imaginary Friend, traveled to festivals worldwide, was a Tropfest semi-finalist and picked up awards at the Brisbane Film Fantastic Festival and the Hope Awards before finding a home on ABC One. Chelsea studied creative writing, editing, and screenwriting at RMIT, and started out as a story researcher for the Nine Network television drama Canal Road. Her television screenwriting credits include The Dr. Blake Mysteries, Neighbors, Home and Away, and One Night Stand. On today's episode, we chat about tragedy and comedy, and the two together. We talk about replacing Luke again, crime writing, and book fairs. In the media section, we talk about a number of film and TV, including Broadchurch, 310 to Yuma, historical epics, and procedural dramas. And for the topic, we talk about TV in today's ever-changing industry. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can contact me on my email, mailbox, at thepenofjoel.com. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and we are at the Brunswick Street Bookstore. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And guess who is back? Actually, this time, the Luke. Has returned. The prodigal returns. But I'm not going to be a good father and accept you with open arms. <clears throat> Explain yourself, Luke. Why was Ian here? Who's even Ian? Like, what, what is Ian doing on the show? <laughs> He's just a, a clone of myself that I've put in just in just in one I want to take a rest for. He a is. Can we just call him Luke 2.0? Luke 2.0. <laughs> I'll well, have to ask him. Yeah. He can't really tell you clones what he, you want them yeah, to do. Yeah, he writes why fiction. He makes bad puns. <laughs> he doesn't look like you. But you know, he's I mean, basically, that's he's ba- for him. I mean, that's 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> 2.0, just, the revised just version. Better looking. <laughs> what can I say? Um, Luke, welcome back. How have you been? What have you been up to? Good. Yeah. Uh, lots and lots of um, reading and writing, and actually, not as much writing as I'd like, but some, anyways. Um, what have you been reading? Reading. Uh, well, I had some more of those stories from. What's his name? The um, the crazy now now that's Lovecraft not a nice guy. Word. Lovecraft. You mean eccentric? <laughs> eccentric, yes, but also partially crazy. Um, also, been reading up on Norse myths, which I never actually got around to properly. I only read the kids' versions ages ago, so now I'm reading them. Translated. Unfortunately, I can't read ancient Norse. That would be good. So basically, it's just the kids' version, but with more violence. Not really. No. It's just more detailed. I see. So lots more pieces to the stories that you never actually pick up anywhere else mm. in the like the two word version, the kids ones from from school. There you go. So um, wait, you had Norse. I did stories actually at school? have Norse stories at, when I was growing up in school. But, wow. But it was again. It was like you know the. Uh, this is not a visual version. medium. No one saw what you just <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, right. It the, doesn't really, uh, you know, yeah. I don't even know what I just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a book, is what he just motioned to. It is um, a book. That's, that was a book. Picture book. What? Was it a picture book? No. No. Not really. Can you tell us a... Like a miniaturized textbook. Can you tell us a Norse tale from your childhood? A Norse tale from my childhood. Ooh. Put you on the spot there. Really? Okay. No. All right. Next time, 
No, I actually can't. Next time, bring in a quick, soundbitey five-minute Norse tale. <laughs> all right? A five-minute Norse tale. There you Oof. go. That's a hard one. They're all pretty complicated. All right. Um, but other than that, catching up on a lot of films that I've never watched mm-hmm. before. You watched the entire season of Game of Thrones. We'll talk about I that did. in the I watched section. that. watched the Shannara Chronicles. I watched... Um, there's a few older films that I watched that I hadn't seen before. I can't remember what they're called now. That's great. Oh, well, I've got a couple to talk about, mm-hmm. but not those. Not all of the... Not everything I watched, because that was too much. Yes. Uh, it was a nice holiday. <laughs> it was a good holiday for you, <laughs> which you weren't here for. <clears throat> anyway, moving on from that, uh, we have our guest, as we always do, Chelsea Cassio. Welcome to the show. Did Thank I get you. that? Did I get the pronunciation of that last name correct? No one has ever asked me that. Is it hard to pronounce? No, because... It's Casio is like you know the the brand Casio. Yeah, the brand. It's actually Italian mm. and it's pronounced Casio. See, but I no knew one, I, got it wrong. I know. I'm really impressed with you because no one ever asked me that. Yeah. Um, but in Australia, it's Casio, <laughs> and just yeah, extend the O. Like Casio yeah. or and, something. And nothing to do with the the calculator or whatever. Although when I was in school, I used to tell people that I you know my dad owned the company and I could get them free calculators. <laughs> and Casio that, company. Yeah, exactly. I was really popular for wow. about two days until mm-hmm. I, I was found out. You didn't give yeah. them but any free ones, did you? I no. didn't know no. because, you know, we didn't actually own the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a problem. It was a plot hole. I can imagine. Yeah. So what have you been up to in your week, Chelsea? In my week? Um, I've actually been writing like a crazy person. Um, I always sort of wanted to be really prolific. I hate those writers who are just, you know... Really prolific, and um, that, that's what I've been trying to do in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Just slow down other work and just focus on, you know, folio pieces and such. So mm. I mostly write murder mysteries, so it's all blood and guts, nice. which I love. There you go. Entangled um, up mysteries. So, Entangled up mysteries. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Make it more complicated. Bit of sci-fi in there, maybe. Oh, yeah. People love the genre blend at the moment, yeah. so mm. it's very popular. It's the hipster thing so, to do. <laughs> I know it's, t- it's totally yeah black right now. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, the uh, murder mysteries. Here's a question for you: mm. Do you work from the crime backwards, or do you work from the crime forwards? God, that is such a good question. You have to know where you're going. You need to. You need the major plot points. But you shouldn't really be filling in. I mean, everyone works differently, Mm -hmm. but I don't tend to fill out the detail, you know, sort of, yeah. Um, So, yeah, if you have the major plot points uh, or going forward, do you mean forward from linearly as you read it? Yeah. I'm sort of all over the place, more Mm -hmm. circular. Yep. It's like, okay, what's the beginning, middle and end? What are your three beats? You know, Mm -hmm. who was murdered, why um, and by who? Mm -hmm. And then filling in the detail that way and then just going, you know, psychically. And then, uh, yeah, just Mm -hmm. sort of filling in the detail, basically. There Mm. we go. So um, you've got a big, big uh, whiteboard or a big board covered in pins, and she looked like that conspiracy theorist with the threads. Yeah, like, on and your room, like across mind. the room, yep. you know, that yeah, that stuff going, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Whiteboards are really, really important. Mm-hmm. It, it sometimes it, it it frees the mind up for some bizarre. So much better than you know typing yeah, on a computer. Yeah, visual maps. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah, helpful. Yeah, it's really good. Of course, it's a visual map because maps are visual. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in TV they're using beats. So yeah. I just tend to use the thing that right. I've learned, okay. which is sort of beating out the entire there. yeah episode. Mm-hmm. There you so. go. So do you do that with prose as well? With prose? Yeah. If you're writing, like, say, a short story, would you would you divide it up into beats as well? I, I probably would. I haven't mm-hmm. done it in a long time. I haven't mm-hmm. written 
prose or short stories go. in a very long time. I'd love to do that. It'd be mm. such an unedited thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, I would would probably go straight to Beats um, just because that's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. that's an exciting week. Um, I never talk about my week and we're not going to change today because... Well, we do want to know changed. some of the things you've been doing. Yes. No, it's like, you know, one day it's going to be revealed that I'm a hitman for the mob or something like that. And people will be like, that's why he never talked about his week. No, actually, <laughs> it's just because my week never changes and I just do editing contracts and writing prose. So, hoorah. Anything that comes out by me will be on my website, which I will plug endlessly at the end of the show. But, uh, yep, that's me. Um... So moving swiftly on, I'm going to put you on the spot again, Luke. News section. Oh, we're doing this before the Yes, I do have some news today. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's stunning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found a very cool event coming up. It's the Rare Book Week. Ooh. And that's happening in Carlton, well, Carlton area. So um, it's a big festival with lots, lots of little events where um, you can go and you can you can buy rare books. You can look at them, like be a collector and be like a nerd and go and, mm. you know, look at all these rare books that are mm. out of print first and editions. first yeah. editions, mm. stuff like that. Um, and halfway through that week, there's actually a fair as well. So there's all sorts of other events starting up. And sure yeah, so that's from the 14th of July till the 24th. And the fair itself huh. is from the 22nd until the 24th. Cool. So yeah, it's, well, lo- it's all free go. admission. So look it up. Mm. I might in. be there. Get some free first editions of something. So <laughs> not free, free, probably. <laughs> not free. Yeah, that, okay. No. Well, have a yeah. look for free. Yeah. Um, he doesn't mean steal, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he does. I think that's what he's saying. I think Moving swiftly on. Um, the, the interesting thing about book fairs, I love book fairs. Um, I used to go to these uh, used uh, book sales in Canberra, where Exhibition Park mm. in Canberra is massive warehouses basically um buildings and they would have these tables filled with books and it i think i believe all the proceeds went to lifeline Mm. um and it was fantastic every year um september i think they would just give you these grocery bags and you would just go up and load up your you know every book was uh, a dollar uh (laughs) and you just pile on as many as you could um and being a predictable young person. I just went to whatever genre that interested me at the time and never <laughs> diverted, which is quite sad. Um, but I just went to like the fantasy section and I would just like <laughs> shovel it all into the bag. Um, you need a wheelbarrow to get it home. I would like to go back in time and change my decisions, but <laughs> unfortunately all I read was derivative fiction for the next <laughs> five years of my life. Oh, well, I guess that's why I'm a bad <clears throat> writer. Um, I love book fairs. I think they are fantastic, and uh, you, you should definitely go to this one as well. So would you say the Hardy Boys is considered rare now? Not uh, really. I don't, you think, don't think so. so. Maybe some of the original. Are there stories. any reprints of that? I don't. I think, think so, there's right? quite a few reprints. Yeah. Really? And, and as well as a few different um, spin-off storylines that they kept. They kept. Um, they're, they're probably still writing them. I did not know this. In really? fact, I'm. Almost certain they're still writing. I haven't looked them up in like ten huh. years, but <laughs> Franklin W. Dixon was the uh, original, yeah, creator, yeah, not collator, Kala- g- g- yeah. <laughs> and then everybody else wrote the wrote stories overall. But um, yeah, there you go, book fair, hmm. good piece of news, Luke. Um, 
I Hopefully forgive- the podcast is out by then. It should yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blame iTunes, <clears throat> not us. Uh, so moving on, we get to the media section, film, TV, theater. Um, let's face it. We hardly ever talk about theater. We'll do one day, <laughs> I, I swear, but not, not today. You can maybe. look through the archives. We do actually have one on um, interactive theater, which is good. We do. That mm, was with what, Katie what was Found, that? I think. It was in Carlton, wasn't it? A lot yeah, of the stuff's yeah. in Carlton. It's um, Sleep like, No More, I think we talked about. Yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. So we should just get Katie back on and be like, can you talk about theater, please? <laughs> um, but I'm probably not going to say anything about it today. However, we have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. TV and theater, um, film rather. Uh, Luke, start us off with uh, whatever we'll you feel off. like. Okay, I'll start us off then. Um, so through through the uh, hundreds and thousands of movies and shows I was watching, I picked up a couple of ones that I was quite impressed by. One was Three Ten to Yuma, oh, a western. A I was pretty pretty happy with it. I, the the cover film. is almost a disaster because I just thought, no, nah, I'm not going to watch it because of the cover. I thought, eh. Doesn't look that exciting. Looked at the premise. I was like, okay. Don't judge a film by it's okay. DVD cover. Probably won't. I know you're not supposed to. But then I did watch it, mm-hmm. and it was probably the coolest take on an outlaw in the in the West, obviously in the wild west of the the American plains or or the. I can say Outback. Why do I say Outback? So we're not talking about the Australian (coughs) Western. We're not talking about the 1957 (laughs) one. We're talking about the 2007. Yeah, the most recent one. There's a. I didn't actually know about the other one. (coughs) It's based off the short story by Elmo Leonard, which is basically Mm. the last um, 20 minutes of that film. Is pretty much a short story, Mm. and then the rest of the film was. Adapted from that, but uh, Alma Leonard being a very famous Western um, short story author. But yeah, great performances by Russell Crowe and uh, Christian I Bale. I always named Christian Bale. Yes, I had it in my head. And Ben somewhere. Foster. And Ben Foster. It was fantastic. I wholeheartedly agree with Luke on this one. It's a good, and it's also a tragedy, but it's a very, very strong. Well, you just story. spoiled the film. Mm. Uh, you can you can look at the cover and you can look at the premise. You can no. tell that it's a tragedy. No. No matter how it ends, it can still be a tragedy. That was a spoiler. That was sorry. a spoiler. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a comedy. No, it's all right. We it's spoiled a comedy. Literally He's turned it around. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's actually a romance comedy. Okay, there you go. We're gonna oh, go for that. I'm gonna romance comedy between Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more people just bought the movie now. Um, so, yeah, no, Three Ten to Yuma is a fantastic film. Uh, it, like you mentioned, it's it's a film that treats the subject material with a great amount of respect. Mm. Uh, I'm a huge fan of old westerns, specifically westerns that move the genre forward or did things that were different. I mm. I'm not a John Wayne fan, for instance, because there was mm. nothing in those films that I felt appeal, appealed to me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, this, this film, Three Down to Yuma, and we, we were talking about this on the last uh, podcast even, about Westerns being transferable to the, uh, to the modern age. They have to relate to something because we can't really identify with the themes of, you know, frontier, mm. frontiers man or outlaws mm. in the same way. But we can identify with their struggles. We can identify mm. with their passions, with their flaws. And yeah. that is the key to 310 to humor. And I can't say I'll spit it harder. It's such a good, such a good film. Mm. Um, there you go. What else? What else? The other one, I actually was a bit on the fence about whether... I loved the film. I uh, was Agora, 
Well, I, I, I wonder how to pronounce that because it's yeah, Greek. Yeah. But, um, so that was a film... Uh, Agora. Gosh, I had, I had the, I had <laughs> I the character name. I didn't want to name. say it. You did it. You went there. Right. Yep. <laughs> You're not going to get letters or anything. Nope. No <laughs> way. <laughs> um... Joel, you're going to remember the name of the character. I don't know why I can't remember it. I haven't seen this film in years. I can't the, 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 the Greek... Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. uh, Zeus? No, not, not, a, not a god, no. <laughs> wow. There's actually a Greek scholar, a Greek scholar in Alexandria that okay. they were focusing on. It's a historical epic. It's a very... Uh, historic, historical biopic. Biopic, okay. Mm. <laughs> a biopic, and you can't yeah. remember the... Wow! She called you out, Luke. I know oh, it's the worst man. thing because I actually heard a documentary about her today as well. So I'm, it's just and it's even worse uh, than it is worse. Go. It is worse. Um, anyways, so it was very oh, wow. good because it was bringing up the the story about one of the later burnings of Alexandria, mm. and that's something mm-hmm. that you. We, it's not a huge focus in our history, so I really liked the idea of bringing it back to life in this film. So it and it, refocusing on it. So well. here's some fact checking for you because mm-hmm. we like doing it live on the podcast uh-huh. for dramatic effect. <laughs> um, it was a Spanish uh, film mm-hmm. and it was released in 2009. Um, here's some going to be some gross uh, mispronunciations. Uh, Alejandro Amenaba was the director and writer, along with Matteo Gill. Uh, Hepatia. Hepatia, yeah. Patia? Oh my goodness, I'm bad with names. It's that Patia, name yeah. uh, is the main character. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was one of the teachers in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And I won't, I won't give spoilers because apparently you don't like spoilers here. So um. basically, <laughs> no. it was a tragedy <laughs> comedy. <laughs> I think is what. It's well, look at say. that tragedy the comedy. Segue, <laughs> so right. good. That's right. There we and go. We don't need to Can see we it. just replace Luke with you, Chelsea? This is totally. so much better. I'm here there every week. Two replacements. I can, I, can, I can go with this. You're not really a clone. What are we, what are we saying about you, Luke? Oh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I watched this film. I, I enjoyed it, but um, the pacing was interesting mm. with, that, with that film. A lot of the logic I found was a bit flawed too, but I, that's the what do you reason mean? I was on you the mean fence. mean like story logic? A or? Story logic, uh, character motivations were flawed. And they didn't act in believable ways. They didn't ways act in the most believable ways. They, it was yeah. it was okay. As I said, I like it because it's bringing um, focus back to this story from history that I would have not remembered or anything from the history I used to read. Um, and it did it well. So yeah. that that's probably what I can say for it. It's done. It's well. It's dramatized a piece of history that we shouldn't forget in a yeah. good way. Mm. Um, the the interesting thing with historical epics, I find, is that it walks a fine line of being theatrical and you know being paced in a in a interesting um, way, along with keeping to the historical accuracies mm. of the chain of events that actually happen. Mm. But I feel you can get away with that with the way you shoot things and the way you you know you portray certain scenes. Mm. A little bit of arm twisting here and then, you can make a good film out of something that is seemingly dry, but. Um, mm. That particular story has a lot of uh, cultural implications in that movie. Um, and because it's been so long since I've seen it, I can't really comment on, hmm. on how well it was done. Um, but uh, there's, there's a few films like that, like Pope, um, Pope Joan, I think, is, a, is another example of that. Um, I haven't seen that one. So, yeah, I feel 
So here's a question for you, Chelsea. Mm. Historical. Don't ask me. A, histori- a histori- oh <laughs> don't ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask me questions, but hmm, you can ask me about a biopic, are you? Nah, not really. Where do you think the appeal is as a consumer? Speaking with historical. Stri- with historical epics or historical biopics. Well, I think as Luke said, um, just if you weren't part of that time, obviously, you just mm. to see it portrayed. I mean. Yeah, um, and the accuracy of it. And it is hard to sort of um, elaborate on character motivation and sort of because I don't want to twist mm. history in any way. So that's sort of a bit tricky. But mm. I think the appeal is to see things that we weren't part of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I haven't seen that particular movie, so I can't really so, comment so let's, on that. So let's put you even more on the spot. Um, Joan of Arc. Oh, my uh, goodness. Let, let's say I give you Joan of Arc. I say, I Which say, one? <laughs> Let's say whatever, about a film or a whatever interpretation <laughs> okay. of Joan of Arc you want to go with, and I give you that movie, oh, would God. you shrink from the task or would you be like, I've got this? Um, I haven't seen a Joan of Arc interpretation in a very long time, mm-hmm. yeah, so I choose to shrink. <laughs> you choose to shrink <laughs> totally. from the task. Well, what All was right. the question, though? Well, it, it, it was, how do you think we could... Apply- there's several things with the Joan of Arc story, and, and this, I'm picking this out of thin air simply because I want to talk about an idea of a historical film. Mm. Um, so there's a few things, I guess, that could go into a Joan of Arc movie. We're talking about um, a, a religious clash. Mm. Um, you're talking about um, a switching of gender roles in that story. So that's a, it's, a big, it's a big part. Um, and we're talking about a character who could be motivated by... A supernatural thing, or some someone who could have had hallucinations. Mm. And if I gave that to you, what do you think would resonate with a with our our audience today? Oh like, what would goodness. you focus the? Because you see, writing, if yeah. I would have given this to a writer, say in the days that <clears throat> Ben Hur and you know um, those movies were coming out, I know exactly the tack they would go with it. It would mm. be straight religious. Joan of Arc was a saint. And it would play out just the way that, you know, you would expect the story would with panache and cheap labor as the, uh, <laughs> to, to make the, the, the chariot races of Ben-Hur, which is still one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, mm. And it would be done with a grand, you know, glory age of Hollywood. But today, I think people, you know, they expect different things out of historical epics. They want them to talk about things we can identify with. So Absolutely. So, and w- do you mean film or do you mean TV? Like how, how would the television interpretation d- be or the film? Anything. Um, I guess just character is the most riveting thing to us and you want to um, see her struggle and see something of you in that. Being mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. able to empathise or sympathise is just the, the, the key. Interesting. Um, so that would pull you along, I mm-hmm. guess, in any story. Plot-wise, I would have to refresh my memory in regards oh, to that's exactly. Fine. Yeah, yeah. When you said supernatural, if you're blending genres, that's also a really big deal at the moment, the genre mm-hmm. blend. That transcends any genre. And mm-hmm. blending genre, which we're doing in Australia at the moment, is a really big thing. It's very in mm. at the moment. So I think there's going to be a backlash from that and we'll end up doing a singular genre again. <laughs> just just <laughs> do uh, mysteries or pure. just do yeah. crime or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment, you know, something like Glitch that's on TV mm-hmm. uh, or was on TV... Um, Blending kind of a family drama with the supernatural zombie mm, kind of yeah. element. It's you would have never seen that in Australia five years ago. Um, but yeah, that sort of blend. I don't know if that diverted from your no, original no, question. That's, that's <laughs> that was a brilliant answer. But there you yeah, go. 
<laughs> you rescued us I, from my tangent. I moved you away from history and I brought you into the modern world. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's what we identify with right mm. now and that's yeah. it's incredibly topical. So there we go. That's a bit of a divergent from what you've been watching, Luke. But uh, <laughs> Sorry. Do you have any... Uh, more my fault. Do you have any uh, further films? Or no, that's the two that I found were the most uh, riveting. All right. There we go. Um... So, Chelsea, what have you been watching that you would like to talk about? I'm a little bit obsessed with UK <coughs> drama mysteries. Seaside, uh-huh. blood, murder, guts, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, I've watched se- second season of Happy Valley. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, no. those kind of shows. <laughs> nope. um, so, yeah, it's basically set in Yorkshire and the central character is Catherine Cahill. And um, she it's, it's a serial show. Um, so, sorry, it's a series. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. She's, she's a cop and she's an amazing character who sort of helps the, um, the various so – there's like prostitutes around mm. town and such and she's always feeding them and very kind but actually to everyone else she's, you know, quite nasty and she's trying to solve the crime of her uh, – the, um, the mystery of her daughter's death and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a really great show. There you go. Love it. Um, have you seen a show called Broadchurch? Yes. Oh. I just saw, was it second or third? Second. Second season. Yeah, I just saw second. Loved first. And I thought, I'm not going to watch second because how can they trump yeah, the first? They? Yeah. And they did. Well, and they almost did. Almost did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I loved Broadchurch. Mm. It was probably one of my favorite crime okay. dramas simply because the crime's important, but not as important as the emotional backlash and. Oh trauma that the family goes through absolutely um, and that that mm. set the scene for the entire second series yeah and not um, to add any spoilers what 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 did you think about the second season it was just so completely different you can't go in expecting the mystery again well essentially the first season is a mystery kind of mm. who done it yeah. and you don't know until the end um second season there is no mystery mm. not a little mystery surrounding it but the mystery is solved and you're and then you've got a little looking, mystery a little bit more of um, Alex Hardy's story, backstory comes into play. Yes, you do. Absolutely. Mm. So, yes, there is that element of a mystery, but yeah. the main mystery is solved when we're watching, you know, court cases. Mm-hmm. and um, It becomes almost yeah. a court drama. It's exactly something. right. They've changed the genre yeah. in second season. How fabulous. Yep. It's so great for that I reason. I think that's uh, – and I'm just incredibly happy they did that simply because mm. I feel like not enough TV does that. Is change. Not enough TV takes risks in that way, especially, sadly, in this country. Yes. Um, so mm. changing the genre for the second season, changing the entire cast like mm. Skins did for the second and third and fourth and so on seasons, doing those kind of things, blending genres and such, yep. um, it's all stuff that we need to keep up with. Yeah. Doing things like The Town in the UK, which was three episodes, unheard of here, mm. unheard of in the US as well. Um, but... Yeah, all of those, like, let's look at it a bit differently. Let's yeah. see what else we can do that's innovative. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. That, and you're completely right in the idea of organic storytelling, simply mm. depicting events the way that it probably would play out is a lot more captivating than... Well, then sticking. a series that has to be 10 episodes yes. long and you have to make two seasons of and it. And it you know, has to be 40 minutes long on the dot each, and yeah. no variation and the genre stays the same and you better damn That's well have a mystery in yeah. every episode. That's and why miniseries seem to do so well. At the end of every episode, which is good and bad. 
because you've got um, you've got these uh, interesting little uh, pockets of story that we can look at and engage in and be interested in. But because and and usually within well with crime, I suppose um, you'll have an overarching um, plot. And mm-hmm. then you'll have these individual mysteries. Like um, there was a there was a TV show called uh, Forever, um, mm. where it sort of came and went, uh, and the second season got cancelled. I have heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So was that an episodic kind of murder mystery? Yeah. There's thing? a there's an overarching Forever hint. It's about immortality. Oh, that's <laughs> um, And it's the main actor is. Oh, I I love seeing him in. Anything that he does, uh, which is one of the only reasons I watched a you know a procedural, um, mm. which I generally don't watch a lot of, um, <clears throat> because it's very dogmatic in sticking to being a procedural. You mm. have a overarching idea. Uh, spoilers, tune out if you like, because I'm going to spoil some things. Damn, um, it's a tragedy. <laughs> it's a tragedy. No, um, <laughs> you have a character whose um, whose past is delivered through flashbacks. And you have him dealing with someone who knows he's immortal, and that's the overarching plot. And each episode, he helps a cop out with a murder. Um, and uh, he's a yes. Um, he's an. I don't know actually what his profession is, but he also works in an antique shop because mm. obviously he's old. Um, <laughs> but it looks I like you're graphic. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, it's I, despite the cliches. Despite the you know who did it every episode, it still was charming for me, and yeah. I enjoyed it Absolutely. simply because the character was delivered in a way that I could get behind. Yeah. Also, Ewan Grafford, but on a side point, um, and I I, re- I think the show was good, and it got cancelled probably because the Aww. viewership was not that great. Okay. Um, That's a shame when that happens. There's something about procedurals. There's a reliability with them that it's like comfort food. Mm. It's like we want to be surprised the by NCIS. the character, mm. but the CSI, plot, yeah. you know what? You, yeah, we want to be surprised by character and plot and such. But the template, mm-hmm. we're feeling really comfortable in that. We know it, mm. so we can sort of put it's it a aside. Safety blanket. Put, totally true. Yeah, it's great. That people love procedurals. We don't have that many in Australia. Mm. Um, we need to have more. Yep, so emerging writers out there, make sure you're writing if you if you can. Um, if you that's your drive, write procedural yeah. stuff because it's it's always and a play winner. around with the format as well. Exactly right. Blend that genre, works. transcend yep. that genre. Mm-hmm. Have these really quirky characters, but keep them in the procedural sort of mold. Yep. You know, so yeah, it's great. I agree. Mm. All right, I guess we'll just segue beautifully on from that point on to our topic, which is all about TV, um, and. I'm interested in hearing all of your thoughts on where TV is at uh, currently and where do you think it can go from here. Um, Netflix has changed uh, a lot of the way people see and absorb see, uh, series, basically. Um, we we don't, it, at least in Netflix's case, they don't really care if you don't get hooked in episode one because you're paying your subscription. Because you've paid that fee already. <laughs> and yeah. there's that. And then there's the idea that they can be quite variable with the lengths of episodes. Um, mm. There's a sense that the show's lifespan um, 
is organic and there doesn't need to be a set amount of episodes. There's just a lot of network breaking rules that Netflix has put across that's changed how um, TV is being delivered. Then we've got other side of the coin, which is cable. Uh, and we've got um, networks like HBO and um, Stars and, and, you know, those larger networks putting things together like really big budget TV like... Um, I mean, there's a reason we used to call it the small screen, but it's it's almost not even worth saying that anymore yeah. um, because the kind of budgets are insane for shows like um, Game of Thrones and Black Sails and um, Spartacus, slow-mo, lots of blood and you know, whatever. Um, but mm. And these shows have, in some ways, kicked TV up a notch where people are seeing them as just as good quality, just as good storytelling, sometimes better because you've got freedom of length um, to play around with stories. And it's changed the way TV is going. At the Mm -hmm. same time, we do have our standard procedurals. We have our NCIS and we have our CSIs. And um, we, you know, we have got these things that are still quite successful. Like, I can't remember what um, NCIS, I think, is the top selling um, or the I think most so watched. too because it has so many, <clears throat> you know, variations mm. on that. I'm pretty sure it's the NCIS or the CSI or you know CSI Miami and yeah. CSI Horatio New York with the or or CSI whatever. Nighttime yeah. or whatever it is. CSI guy with glasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's NCIS and all the derivatives of that. Yeah. You know? So yeah, mm. it's an it's M Empire. It's it's yep. huge. And and you know the restrictions of that are you know things like uh, dialogue, language. Um, what you can show, what you can't show, and you've got these restrictions. Mm. Um, and shows like Hawaii Five-0 in, uh, in America does really well. Oh, my God. Is that a new show that you just mentioned, or are you talking about the one from the 70s? No, um, the new show. Wow. Did, yeah. You know that that was... That's been remade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. I watched the original. <laughs> so did I. I, I didn't I, want to say I that. I liked the original. Oh, I like wow. Magnum P.I. a little bit more, though. Me too. Yeah. The short, the short, short, the pink shorts, and the shirt, and it was unbuttoned. Yeah, and tons of hair. No man has that much. Tons hair. of hair and a big mustache. <laughs> Huge, terrible looking mustache. But so it looked what good. a character! Yep, it was great. Yep. Um, wow, Hawaii Five O. I did not know that was being remade. Isn't it is. Ter- it's got like four or five seasons, I think. Uh, oh really? Wow, yep. I'm really out of the Hawaii Five O loop. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy. Got, you know. I mean, Buff. shows just pop up and bam, you got like five seasons straight up. So Yeah, and, and I like the cast. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I feel it better does now. Happen <laughs> I went to sleep. I woke up. There were five seasons of Hawaii Five-0. Uh, it happened to me with Game of Thrones. I watched the first three seasons, and then I suddenly found two more that I'd had And then you forgot before. about it. <laughs> and you're like, I was like, oh, I'll yeah. revisit this, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Hawaii Five-0, it, I watched the first season because I was staying with my brother at the time, and he mm. was nuts over the show. Who knows why? Um, he did watch the original and it's not the same show. It's almost got nothing to do with the same show, Did apart you? from them being Hawaii and Five O and cops, and that's it. Did you like it? It wasn't bad, but after season two, when <laughs> after season two, the, after season, you liked it that much that you watched season two and a half, <laughs> maybe three. Yeah. Um, let's be real. I watched all three seasons and then kept yeah. going. Uh, but after about season three, I was like. Nothing's changing. Okay. This is, yep. this is okay. We, we, I know what the show is now. You've it understood is, the template. I've, yeah. okay, I'm, I've been watching a procedural drama, uh, cop drama for three seasons. What am I doing? Yeah, I've I lost never, my life. I've lost my, it. My, yeah, I've lost my job. I'm, yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I need to get out of this. Relationships just yeah. died around Hawaii 5 yeah, you yeah. know. Um, 
I, I moved out from my brother's place yeah. <laughs> because of Hawaii Five O. Not really. Um, it's the demise of everything. That's basically. right. Hawaii yeah. Five O. Mother's relationship. Any marathon viewing can be. You yeah. just you suddenly rise after three days and think, what happened? Yeah. Where, where am I? Put and that on you, the back of the box, Fox. Oh, yeah. Whatever the thing. <laughs> hey, Hawaii Five O ruining relationships since in 2011. Joel Martin. Yeah, um, that's it. So, so anyway, Hawaii Five O happened, and you know the, they really watch shows. Yeah. So they're not dead. Um, shows like that aren't dead. Cable hasn't killed them. Procedures will never die. I don't think they you will. You can no. remake anything. They're making yes. Greatest American Hero, for God's sake. Yeah. I, so that that proves that you know. My my you know my dad is still watching reruns of shows from the eighties. It's um, the comfort food. I'm rewatching The Office. No, yes, The Office USA, which USA, is even more yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> but it's the comfort food. It's like mm. you know you need a break in between writing scenes, and sometimes yeah. you just like you watch you know snazzy half, half dialogue, <laughs> <laughs> engaged snazzy dialogue. Yeah, you hand in a script, and suddenly it sounds like The Office. Yeah. And your boss is like, <laughs> um, so it's about this main character, Steve. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, David. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's no, that's not a good look. So uh, procedures are always yeah. I, yeah, so them. they won't die, but at the same time, you know, cable has changed that. What do you what do you all think? It's a massive question. I know we'll probably go on for a while, mm. but you know where do you, where do you see TV now, um, Chelsea? Do you think it's going forward? Do you think we've just become big films? Do you think you know? Um, it's it's taking over the world. It's like it's it's bigger than films. It's yep. bigger than books. Sadly, mm-hmm. um, it's just if. It, because there's so much content, you know, you love an episode of Game of Thrones, suddenly you've got, you know, six seasons you can marathon view. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, you just keep on watching. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's you know, obviously the, gen- uh, the genre blending and we're doing all these crazy things. We're um, rewriting stories that have been told before and mm. it's just, yeah, the focus is very much on, on TV. It's, it's attracting a lot of A-list stars, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it depends if you mean sort of in Australia or if you mean overseas. You let's know, let's go with the international. Yeah, it is very different. Let's go with the international for now. Yeah. Um, uh, because the, the interesting thing with the Australian scene is I feel like it'll be in flux for a while until we get a, a nice solid guess of what's actually going on. Let's actually go quickly well, on that. What do you think? Um, you think that's a generalization? We we tend to there's a budget restriction here. Mm-hmm. We can obviously mm-hmm. compared to a overseas, big a, yep. b- a big one. So we need to make sure that things are safe before we go ahead. So yeah. for example, um, if you are blending genres or you are doing suddenly three apps instead of twelve or whatever it is, um, you need to know that it's worked overseas first. Generally, yeah. that's mm-hmm. kind of what producers want to make sure that it's a sure thing mm-hmm. um so say you've got a it's youtube kind of a star yep. yeah yeah mm. you've got a youtube star who's got you know millions of followers or whatever it's like great let's put her or him in this comedy half an hour abc series because wait we is know that act- does that actually happen well but it's more about the safety oh. net so they mm. know that, that person's wow. already got those followers yeah. so therefore put them in a show in. we know they've got a million viewers already so it's it's the safety factor. So that's why it kind of needs it needs to be tried and tested mm. overseas first before it comes yeah. here. But in saying that, we're really catching up. It's really exciting. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of new stuff happening. Lots of really quirky comedies and um, yeah, much more innovative stuff than we've we've seen in the last ten Where's years. Where's Australian Hollywood? What's that? Where's Australian Hollywood? Hollywood um, oh, hills. The, you mean hills. the big blockbusters? Where's our, yeah, where's our Holly? Where's our Beverly Hills? Oh, is is there like a certain area where we have like the main production? Oh, I don't where's the know hub? These oh. yeah. Where's the hub? <laughs> um, yeah. 
the post-production houses are in sort of South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, um, but no, I think they're sort of scattered everywhere. Mm, more scattered than, okay. Referring to sort of writers, producers, directors. I mean, more like the company that sort of collates and has like sets for most well, of the there's not really that many big companies. Though. As in mm. production yeah. companies. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of scattered, they're kind but they, of they tend too. to like to stay in, in a city, mm. in a suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're more easily accessible for meetings and things like that. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a really random the question. <laughs> that was random. Sorry, I'm like, but actually, I if we like have one, I know that I've heard of a Bollywood. Bollywood. Yeah. I've heard of a Hollywood. I wonder if it's an Ollywood. Ollywood. That's Oz, oh, Oz, oh, because Australia. Yeah, get it? Uh, <laughs> Aussiewood or is it Ollywood? I think Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. Actually, better. Then we have like an Ollie the ostrich or something. Do we? Or was it Aussie the ostrich? We are not talking about screenwriting anymore. Anyway, um Moving swiftly on. You don't have to move to a particular area to be in the industry. Yeah, that's that's true. So you'd have a lot of like. Yeah, it's a little bit different to America in that way, isn't it? It's because America is like well. Oh, what about film crews? What is a? Is it more like um, pull a couple of guys off the street who have experience with a camera, or are there a lot of places that have professional? film crews that you would use for that i mean do you know that well as in when you're making like a short film or something like that short film or or a series for instance well there's a couple of companies in melbourne and sydney and i'm sure in other cities as well which they have a bunch of crew on their books which i Mm -hmm. used to be a part of because i was in production first um Mm -hmm. so they have grips and gaffers um Mm. lighting guys and costume and such and so you go to them and you say you know this is with your massive million dollar budget Mm -hmm. um i'm making this tv series and this these this is the crew that i need and they Mm -hmm. send you a bunch of cvs and Mm -hmm. you choose who you want and if they're available they're available so Mm -hmm. it's essentially kind of how it works but a lot of crews know each other so you hire one grip and mm. then he, he or she has a team of, you know, their assistant groups, yeah. second and third mm. ADs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they sort of travel to shows together and mm. films together. Does that okay, answer yeah, your question? Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. There you go. Intriguing. <laughs> the, the, because Australia is, strictly still speaking, I suppose, considered in it, you know, an indie film scene for mm. the most part. And mm. it's an independent, you know, most independent filmmakers. Um, and distribution is generally within Australia and then, you know, a little bit overseas, but not as much, would you say? So would you think that's fair? Um, what, what do you mean? Like if you have a TV show? So it's not very internationally transferable media. So well, when you go to L.A., it, they have a sort of funny word for us, which is like our genre is Australiana. Really? Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. I've heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like we're trying not to be that, obviously, because we don't want to be yeah. a genre in ourselves. Mm. But we, especially with the films and especially in the past, you know, I can't really speak for this because I'm more screenwriting, but it just feels like it, they've labelled us Australiana because maybe there's a little bit less dialogue. It's a bit more maybe slow moving and ethereal and mm. lots of landscape and outback, and yeah, which yeah. is beautiful. But it, wa- it was labelled because of that, but I it's think. very specific, yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but, but that's totally changing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we have a, um, a name overseas, mm-hmm. but it is changing. It, yeah. it was interesting. I was... Um, I was on a talk, weirdly enough, about screenwriting, uh, and I I was the resident critic, I suppose, which was again <laughs> strange that I was there. But the we, and the thing that I was commenting on was on Danish um, cinema uh, mm. because I'm a huge lover of Danish uh, films and just media in general that comes out of that country because I think they have such a grasp on producing tightly. Um, 
tightly run shows and film, specifically film, I would say. Mm. But they know exactly what they are, and they just they just go with it. Yeah, and right. it's you know it's uh, directors like you know Nicholas Winding Ref, who you know, uh, I guess a lot of American and Australian viewers would know him for uh, the movie Drive. And then moving on from okay, that. Yeah. But he was, you know, he was an independent uh, Danish director that made really weird films. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's where he got his art house name. And Australia is still relatively art house, right? There's, there's, yeah. it, when it comes to genre, it, there's not a lot of genre work outside of TV. Mm. There's a lot of um, what, what you would call uh, commercial uh films like we don't have the avengers for instance we mm. don't have yeah. um pick random triple uh you know big huge movie in america mm. we don't really have that yeah um and within tv though it's different we have a lot of commercial tv yes we have um a lot of well-made commercial tv do you think that kind of tv can um, fly the ocean, go to America, and still work out. It does. Mm. Like, it totally does. Mm. They don't necessarily... Well, they don't buy our product and necessarily play it in America. They like <laughs> to adapt. Um, uh, so yeah. there's so much adaptation going on at the moment with mm-hmm. stuff that's already already been made in Australia, like, for example, Secrets and Lies, done by Hoodlum. Yeah. Um, I think Offspring. Um, there's, there's a bunch of shows that have been picked up, lots of ABC comedies, mm-hmm. um, Kath and Kim, you know, I mean, although that, I don't think that was successful, but they've, yeah, they're buying a lot of stuff at the moment in America, yeah. in America. um, and, it, and recasting, rewriting a little bit, but they've purchased the concept because they love it. So yeah, absolutely. It's transferable. I know what you mean about art house. It's, you sometimes think you've gone too quirky or art house and that's not going to be appealing, but mm. it seems to be. Yep. Mm. What about like our, our soap series? Any, any yeah. of that sort of stuff go over there? Yeah, it does, definitely. It was really popular. As in, sorry, transferred or as in watched? It's literally <laughs> watched. It's literally purchased oh. and got, goes to air. I, okay. I don't know exactly. I worked on Home and Away and Neighbours and um, I think yeah, obviously in the UK they're quite big. Mm. One more than the other, I think Neighbours more so than mm-hmm. Home and Away. Mm-hmm. But um, a ton of European countries, even non-English speaking <laughs> countries have purchased wow. them and they just translate mm. and that's all they're touching. They're not touching yeah. anything else. <laughs> so it's huge. Yeah, and Home I think and it's Away, because of our, about, especially yeah. Home and Away, because it's our beachy Australiana yeah, yeah, yeah. loving it. Yeah, Palm yeah. Beach, all that sort of stuff. And you can in, see the appeal. In cold old Europe when they're yes. shivering, they're like, damn Australians. <laughs> yes. um, Isn't it a shame that's the only appeal? It's like, oh, here's something with a beach yeah. pretty picture <laughs> and, and it, it does have a lot to do with that doesn't it it's our landscape and it's that attraction to it yeah i mean if uh movie australia um yeah you know there's a lot of shots of australian outback yeah the story's there but really that film is a giant advert a good one um, <laughs> yeah, so but true. a huge <laughs> advert as it should be as it should be um, it's called that, Australia that it has to be right yeah. Perhaps, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I definitely feel it's like it's not it called was. Australian story <laughs> <laughs> Australian <laughs> cowboy western no it was Australia and, and yeah and yeah and it was successful in that way um, it it inter- moving on to the international um, scene hmm. uh, with TV Game of Thrones specifically was one of those big fantasy releases that kicked up a genre that 
didn't really have a big presence on TV. True. Um, except maybe, I don't know, Xeno, Xeno Warrior Princess. Or oh, my goodness. That's uh, a blast from the past. <laughs> yep. I love the comparative. Yeah, That's I was great. in New Zealand when we were watching that. So okay. it was like oh, real yeah. patriotic, you know. Oh, yeah, she's from New Zealand. She was the greatest. Yeah, she was the greatest. Yeah. Um, but aside from shows that had like a tiny budget like Xena. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was all green screen. <laughs> it doesn't age that well, I must say. Um, it, we now have one of the biggest budget fantasy series of all time, mm. which people talk about endlessly, um, infuriatingly. Never stop talking about it. <laughs> oh, ever. it's just On epic, Twitter. isn't it? <laughs> it's just amazing. And... In, in many ways, it's done good things for the fantasy genre because now people are interested in fantasy mm. and looking at it. I, I don't know how much. It's one of those Harry Potter effects where you're like, are they just watching Harry Potter or reading Harry Potter or are they actually reading other stuff? We don't know. I don't think there's a lot of data on that mm. transference. But um, nevertheless, it's kicked fantasy up into the legit zone of TV where <laughs> I think people can move forward and make... Uh, it's recognized as something that exists. Yeah, that's and, right. and I think that's a, that's a <laughs> genre, is real. genre <laughs> that we can get away with now on TV. Um, mm, and there'll be spin-offs and now that yeah. you know, fantasy is accepted. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it did for fantasy what, uh, for TV anyway, what um, uh, Star Wars did for science fiction in, in film, I yeah, would say. Yeah, right. Um, so, so it's great in that way. But does that mean that this kind of movie-style storytelling within TV with these massive budgets are somehow forcing the, like, smaller budget shows to step it up a notch where they don't have the budget to, to do it, mm. but they try? Oh, do they try, do they? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's so rare when people talk about sort of those big, big shows like Game of Thrones and what's the one that has the upstairs downstairs servants? Downton, Downton Abbey. Abbey that's there it. we like go. They, they <laughs> all these sort of you know big epic shows. They they're quite rare. There's like, like four or five of them. Yeah, yeah it's um uh, yeah. I don't know if other shows are trying to be that. I, you know, you get mm. you get stuck with a budget and you have to fit within that. Um, so from the so you've never gone into a meeting and someone said like <laughs> Game of Thrones. You know, like oh, Game totally. of Thrones. Totally, that happens all. Honestly, <laughs> really? that happens all the time. Wow. But you have to, as a writer, you have to go right up there yeah. um, with your ideas because eventually <laughs> you get broken down. Trickle down. Um, yeah. yeah, because they they talk about budget restrictions, casting restrictions, and so on. So, mm. but you have to go big first. So you do, you definitely walk into a meeting and say Game of Thrones, House of Cards, whatever it is, House of <laughs> House of Lies, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you go big first. But no, every the producers. Are there to you know rein you in <laughs> yeah make you understand that it's not we're not mm. doing game of we're not going to import british actors for the accents we're not going to <laughs> <Yeah>. import <laughs> exactly and writers do need to be brought down a notch in that sense but yeah that's what they're paying you for those ideas those big ideas mm. so mm. yeah um one of the shows that i watched recently uh or heard a lot about and watched a little bit of is beowulf return to the shieldlands and that was an itv um, was that a fantasy? Show. It was fantasy. Mm. And suffered from one of those moments where you know the budget's not very big. Oh, okay. And you know what they're going for. Mm -hmm. And they can't really hack it because of many things, I think, primarily, uh, you know, mainly, I hate being mean to authors. It's a real hard thing to be, um, especially screenwriters or anyone who writes fiction. It bleeds my heart to be critical. 
That's a lie. I do it all critical the time. Critical is fine. Yeah, it's over, overly critical. <laughs> um, but I will say. But <laughs> caveat. Um, it was the worst written show Aww. I have seen in the last ten years. Oh, that's maybe. such a shame. So that's got nothing to do with the expectation of a big budget. Yeah. It you're talking on the page. Yep. Bad. It was. It, it really hurt because it was one of those moments mm. where you think to yourself, if they would have got it right, if they would have nailed the story, made it more insular, maybe made the story a lot tighter mm. instead of going big and, and trying to do so much and then not doing enough on the, even on the small scale, you think, man, if they had just done it small, we could be encouraging uh, TV uh, that ha- doesn't have a big budget to do these smaller insular sto- uh, shows that are still science fiction or fantasy or whatever. Can you do sci-fi? Sorry, can you do fantasy on a small budget? Sci-fi you can. can be one person in a room. But can you do fantasy on a small budget? Speaking really? from a person who has zero experience on the screen, I think you can. Okay, well, uh, you yeah. don't... I mean, you have experience because you, as, a, as a viewer, you probably yeah. have more than I do fantasy-wise. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of well-done LARP, which is actually free. Yeah, the, 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 cra- the crazy thing okay. is, is that... You have these YouTube-produced pieces that Mm. strain my eyes. But nevertheless, I think they're doing something that we miss on on the small screen especially. And I'm a a big proponent for fantasy on the small screen simply because I write fantasy. Um, I love reading it. I like reading fantasy that is different and that, like I said about Westerns, pushes the genre forward. Mm. Um, uh, And Beowulf is... could have been fantastic if you had scaled it right down, did what they wanted to do, which was create a medieval western, where you have a gunslinger hero comes into a dusty old town and saves the town from monsters. Mm. It's a really simple concept. But then they went crazy. They went political machinations of this rival clan. They went big monsters. They went, you know, that look, didn't look good. They went um, weird um, multicultural... Uh, feeding into a Celtic mythos and it didn't really gel and all these ingredients to Mm. a pot that just didn't add up. Yeah. Um, So maybe they went high concept rather than grounding because you can ground or you can elevate. That's right. So, yeah, if they're elevating everything and they're trying to add epic to it and just, you know, a cast of thousands. Yeah. I don't know why on earth they – I don't know what happens in that meeting where they say, let's do everything at once and do it all by lunch. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what? You could have, as you say, you could have done a show that was really solidly good. Yeah. Yeah. If you just simple concept can be fantastic. It can be very well done. And and the crazy thing is, yes, I'm – spitballing but they have this the story starts with a murder being committed and you and the the main gunslinger style hero beowulf in this case comes in to investigate and figure it out mm. just keep it as that yeah it would have been so good i would have been so invested and interested if they had just taken um i don't know maybe stolen a little bit from andre sapkowski monster hunter ideas and just gone with that and just mm. made the creature, and they did really good jobs with the creatures of making them like uh, human and identifiable, and they have you know they have compassion and they have love and and all these things, which is really interesting. But then they just went away with it and did all these other things, and you know it felt like uh, one of those ideas that that just didn't pan out in the meeting room and, and pl- went to screen. And, yeah, and plot maybe took over from character as well. Yeah, mm. and which... Beowulf hardly shows up in the last six episodes or whatever. You know, yeah. he's just like. Oh, Beowulf's on screen, the most boring character ever. He's he's literally the driest character on screen. Isn't Everybody else is more interesting than Beowulf. 
and he's the main character. And mm. that's really hard to mess up. Um, or rather, I don't think it is easy to mess up when you have this huge scope and you're trying to be, you know, a small scale Game of Thrones. Mm. So I'm just, yeah, it's that concern. When did it, when did it release? Uh, this year. Okay. So they were, again, they're riding along with the, the Game of Thronesy mm-hmm. sort of push. Yeah. Um, I've seen we've seen quite a few of those come through there, haven't we? Like the Bastard Executioner, oh, the Last Kingdom, uh, First Kingdom, Last, last, last Kingdom. Kingdom. That was great. Um, Vikings sort of good twinged off it as well. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them that uh, Vikings for, for did work. I haven't it's watched a Last big Kingdom budget yet, Vikings, but um, a lot of them are trying to push along the political intrigue and make it big scale with you know political, cultural battles, extra violence. Yeah. Extra sex, yeah. Extra, you know. Yeah, they're, they're trying to they're appeal to all these as, as I hate to say Game of Thronesy, but we do. I was going to say you just kind of described Game of, Game of Thrones. <laughs> so why does Game of Thrones work for you, but not this one? What did you call it? Vikings. Vikings. Sorry, yeah. Beowulf. Uh, Beowulf for So why Thrones. does Game of Thrones work for you when it has all of that political intrigue and mm-hmm. you know um, sex, obviously, yeah. and, and the, whole and the ultra violence and yeah? I think it's because it. It has the budget to do it. Yeah. It's partially it's also the copycatting though. It's where it's it, it, actually it, it, just it taking the like ideas it. without the same without the quality of dialogue sort of things okay. and the and the and the, the networking thing, plots, yeah. mm. linking plots. See, it, in many ways uh, even though I feel like Game of Thrones has lessened this to a certain extent in the later seasons, but earlier mm-hmm. on everything that happens is earned. It's the idea of, you know, set up and pay off and in storytelling we set mm. something up, we mm. paid off and it makes sense. With I feel like a lot of these shows, they want the payoff without the work to do the setup. Mm. And since they don't have the budget or the constraints or and whatever reason it is, they really can't push the setup too much. So when the payoff happens, it's like it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect. Mm. You don't mm. care for these characters the same way. I suppose they're all bad though. Some of them are actually still decent. Yes, yeah, no, no. Vikings them, yeah. and uh, the Last Kingdom, I think, are fantastic. Well, they're not fantasy, the historical epics, <laughs> but um, it's. It's one of those um, key things. Spoilers again. I'm mm-hmm. saying this again because Game of Thrones spoilers. Don't hate me. Don't email me, please, about this. I'm telling you, you should have watched it by now, anyways, because we're season on, one. We're two weeks from yes. now. <laughs> Main character Ned Stark. He is a character that you set up, you give emotion, you give background, you make you you make the audience care for him, you make the audience care about his family, you ground it in all of this. And, you know, beyond all the soapy HBO-itis that happens with the show, um, you care about him. And when you take him away, it hurts. It has impact. It has resonance. These shows, Beowulf, for instance, has none of that. Mm. You don't set up any of this. So when things happen, you're just like, meh. Mm. (laughs) It didn't really carry it. You're not invested. With working on the small screen especially, Chelsea... What do you think about that idea of setup and payoff with characters? I believe it's a good idea. <laughs> it's a thing people should do. Yes. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Go from a high point to a low point in a scene, mm-hmm. set up and payoff. They're just staples. Mm. You just have to. You can't. Yeah. You have to set up the fact that someone's dead and then pay off the fact that someone did it. <laughs> like, yeah. you, the, what's, yeah, a, what's you know. the idea behind a positive and a negative within a scene? Oh, it's more, I guess, moving from a high point to mm-hmm. a low point. Yeah. So say, for example, the end of the scene is, um, you know, two characters talking, one character tells the other one, oh, sorry to tell you, but your mother's passed away. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously the low point. So come mm-hmm. from a high point, um, and this is very basic, sorry, but you can come mm-hmm. from a high point, 
the character whose mother died in the start of the scene, maybe she's really looking forward to seeing her mum or they have an right. event or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's something that we're really looking forward to. Oh, my God, that yeah. event's not going to happen and mum's died. Very basic, sorry, yeah, to yeah. the audience. No, no. But um, high point, low point. It's just extremity. Um, right. It sounds like the end the end scene of every season of a series. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's always yeah. the, the scene that pisses me off the most. <laughs> right. Because you get to the point and you think, well, that's great. And something else could happen. But instead of you know something else happening, they just like cut it and say, actually, nah. That's... That can't happen anymore. Yeah, and it's keeping <laughs> Instead you... Instead of moving forward, it kind of takes a step back so that you can move forward from there. What do you mean? You don't have a payoff, you mean? Not like as, in not as much a payoff um, as much as you're trying to move forward with the character. Yep. And then instead of the character kind of moving forward, the character gets gets to a certain point and then takes a couple of steps back. Mm-hmm. And then takes then goes to the end, end of the next season, takes a couple of steps back, goes to the end of the next. Instead of kind of pushing forward because and the sideways, and sideways it just the, goes back forward. Because back the series forward. wants to keep the protagonist in a certain sense of limbo, so then the story mm-hmm. can keep progressing in the way that it has been. Yeah. I guess it's a lot of ways why stories don't change genre because you want to keep the the central concept the same. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess it's about kept finding that character's truth. It's yeah. kind of like mm. Walter White in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he continues to, I don't know, a lot of people sort of debate this, but yeah, it's sort of tricky. But who was he in the beginning? Was he was he always bad? And, and if you look at classic storytelling, yes, he was always bad. Even the in the absolute beginning when you saw him as a family man and you felt sorry for him and dying of cancer and needed money, mm-hmm. he was always bad then. But he went from a want, wanting to get money, to a core need is wanting to be evil and wanting to, breaking ba- wanting to break bad. Mm. So when you're sort of elongating that process, because television is essentially just a long second act, mm. um, you have to sometimes have a Walter White just taking a couple of steps back and going back to the family and going, oh, actually, maybe I'm more on this side of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that really answers it, but, yeah, <laughs> you, you get, that can get frustrating yeah. unless it's done really well. Oh, mm. I remember now another series that did it poorly. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called Once Upon a Time. Was that the one that I mentioned? Was yes. it called Once yeah. Upon a Time? Yes. Once Upon a Time. That was... It's a procedural without being a procedural. That was a bit it, sad because... Is it the fairy tale one? Yes. I mean, obviously, it's yes. a fairy tale one with that title, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was the very, yeah, very fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the stories modernized. Now, that one, instead of going step, 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 and then like two back, it went all the way back. Oh, okay. It was like every season was starting to start again and That's doing the exact same thing. It, was, it wasn't even like changing storylines. The storyline was the same and the same. <laughs> and that was, that was kind of the extreme, though. I haven't really Was that popular? That or maybe not popular for that particular reason? It definitely that went so for four seasons, five thought. seasons. Yeah. yeah, it did. I can't remember exactly how many because I stopped yeah. after mm. the third and a half. Well, second and a half. Yeah. You're forgetting that far with that <laughs> backwards motion. Well, the casting wasn't terrible, and the yeah. and the uh, the I first season was good. It was yeah. I liked the first season because it was a good prem- premise, the idea of putting the fairy tales into this this town, but um, copy mm. paste. I didn't like that very much. Mm. <laughs> mm. It didn't last as long as it could have. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, I think I think with TV especially, but Black Sails is another example. Um, and this is one reason why I was very sad that Beowulf got cancelled. Um, yes, I know it's a bad show. But a lot of shows improve on the second season so because true. they get to a point, they're like, we know what the story is. We know what to focus on. We know who's the main character. We know what to do. We're also receiving emails and we're getting yeah. Twitter and we're, we're getting we're Facebook we're feedback. We're getting harassment. Everyone's, we, you know, listening. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's listening to that yeah. feedback now, which is so interesting. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure because mm. That's right. 
all the producers and the writers are listening to what people are saying on social media and they're adapting their shows yep. based on <laughs> what's mm. being said. Yeah, and, is, and that, you know, you know, wide critique that we're getting these days can mm. modify shows. Black Sales, for instance. Which one? Black Sails by um, Stars. It's a okay. basically a pirate drama mm. um, uh, based off, you know, uh, Treasure Island, uh, Robbie Louis Stevenson, um, updating it, adultifying it, and uh, st- um, going, you know, it's a, it's a prequel to basically that story and how the pirates get to the where they get. Um, and we're introduced to, to some characters like uh, Captain Flint and Captain Vane. So mixing historical with, uh, with uh, fictitious. Um, and the first season is very HBO. It's, you know what they're going for. They're just like, and nudity, because we're appealing to teenagers. And violence, because we're appealing to teenagers. And, and then, it, you know, it does this thing every episode. And you're like, that, you might have gone, yeah, all right, I know what you're doing here. And the first season was not good, in my opinion. Mm. really bad second season became one of my favorite shows isn't that funny it's it's crazy the show just the dialogue got so much better um the characters were so much sharper their motivations were so much clearer Mm. Um, somebody got fired (laughs) (laughs) yeah usually shows don't have that luxury to go oh let's just spend a a season not knowing what we're doing (laughs) okay yeah and you know, it's a gorgeous looking show. The mm. visuals are beautiful. Um, you know, you've got... HBO does that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it forces a different sense of TV, I guess. Um, and yeah, it, it was one of those examples where everything became so much slicker, smarter, more interesting. Mm. And, and that's what I wanted out of Beowulf. I was like, I really don't want to get this cancelled because... Because you might fix it up. Because the, you might do a really good job. Mm. And yeah, ITV's that's a big a, investment. Yeah. Like, good on you for having that patience. Yeah, <laughs> that is a big investment to invest in a entire. Like I'm, I'm one episode and I'm out. Yeah, yeah, which oh, is no, terrible. We, but which which producer was Beowulf again? Um, ITV. Ah, uh, so they probably didn't have British. quite the same budget as HBO for getting through one season of nobody <laughs> yeah, liking. No, it. I agree that's, with you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's, that's the sad it. part. Yeah, um, and it's 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 tragic because the actors were all good. Like mm. you know, the, mm. you know, these people have been on other shows and done really well. And uh, Kieran Bu, I think, was the. Um, main main actor, um, and it, yeah, it's it's really tragic. I find uh, there's tons of shows that that have this happen to them, get cancelled halfway, and then you think, mm. oh, what might have been? Mm. Um, a lot of British dramas get cancelled because apparently the BBC loves cancelling things, <laughs> um, and then bringing them back. A uh, Ripper Street, for example, got bought out by Amazon, uh, and they let them do whatever they want, and then they produced, you know, two seasons after that that were critically acclaimed, and just got better. Uh, so we have these examples of TV now and, you know, people being forgiving and we've got a long attention span, it seems, when it comes to TV, but not other things. Uh, <laughs> and there's yeah. the films getting shorter. Like yeah. one hour and 30 is kind of the norm now. Really? Norm. Yeah. Wow, well, okay. Yeah. I've been surprised with a couple of them. I, I can't think exactly what they were. I watched them in the last few days, though. Mm. I love my memory love is fantastic. It's, it's like, just why a do blur. We watch you were just in a weird like media <laughs> haze for the last week or so. Mm. Just watched too much. He lost his job too, and his partner. Yeah, <laughs> it's all homeless. gone. <laughs> it's all over. All you've got is the podcast, yeah. and we're replacing the podcast. Us. <laughs> yep. But yeah, in in conclusion, um, like, where do you think you're at with TV as a screenwriter, um, Chelsea? Where, where do you am think I at personally? At? Yeah, with oh, the that's medium. Such a what do you think? Question. Take as long as me you like. personally or Australia. Um, you personally. Uh, 
obviously writers just want to break new ground. So mm, you want to do mm-hmm. something quite, you know, new and interesting Creative, and not, yeah. not derivative and mm-hmm. not an adaptation. I'm a murder mystery girl and I do love a bit of um, sci-fi as well, but I, I want to keep writing my own sort of original murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with really interesting characters as we were talking about and, and fascinating twists, of course, and intriguing clue trails. And there's so much new stuff that, that can be done that we haven't yet explored. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my path. And also I think books as well, that would be good. Um, because TV, you know, as we were sort of talking about before we started, um, you have a lot of people uh, who are editing? Who are editing your work in TV? So you have, um, and it's totally understandable because they're in charge of the budget and they're in charge <laughs> of the final product, and they know more than I do in regards to the audience and you such. The demographic. You can't have a spaceship. <laughs> you can't have a spaceship. Yeah. Um, so you've got notes from the producer and your script editor and your script producer and the network and and whoever else is involved. Um, so. That can be tricky. Whereas I just ha- I see authors and I just think that must Freedom. be such a magical. Yeah. I know that's not true because they also have editors <laughs> and they also have publishers. But Is I it, think it would yeah. be much more freeing. And I just think, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> wouldn't mm. it be nice? Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, love TV, love screenwriting. We'll always do it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, books would be cool. There you go. Mm. Luke, what do you think about TV? Where would you like it to go? What would you like to see? Um, that's a very important He's question. He's tragedies, basically. Tragedies. <laughs> if tragedies, ended which in a are tragedy, romantic comedies. Yeah, yeah. tragedy, <laughs> romantic comedy. Tragedy. I think I want to see more history remakes. Mm-hmm. I think there are quite a few coming out, yep. and I've been enjoying that. But mm-hmm. I think I want to see more because there's a lot of history that isn't covered. A lot of history that's very interesting. Uh, maybe in like another series about the Crusades or something. You know, yeah. that'd be kind of cool, especially with the new budgets. Not. To, it doesn't have to look beautiful, but now we don't have to use the little PAL analog video recorders. So yeah. <laughs> mm. it can it can look better, and it can yeah. be done with uh, more actors who've um, who want to do that kind mm. of that that style or that setting as well. Yeah, and they've got the they got the cut they got the sets for it too. They've already they've done a lot of these shows, so they know how to do these sets now. Mm. Mm. So more stuff on water for you. Basically, more boats, more... No, not boats. No, <laughs> He's not a fan Forget of the boats. boats. Oh. Yeah, not a fan of boats. <laughs> no, not the boats. The um, historical... Historical, yeah. generally. Um, well, I made my points quite clear throughout <laughs> the whole episode where... Uh, but, you know, I, I mentioned it to begin with, and I think this is the thing that I want to see. Yes, HBO can do things. Yes, stars can do things because of their budget. What I want are small shows. We talked about Broadchurch. Mm. It's a small show. It is. That focuses on a limited cast mm. with very normal problems. And yet you can maintain such dramatic tension, such smart, intelligent characterization with very little going on. And you can make and you can make that impactful. And you can like you said, be less derivative in, in, in what we produce. And and I agree. Um, I want that in all genres. I want to see that in fantasy. I want a low fantasy, low, you know, just a reasonable budget um, done by SBS or ABC or anything local or anything international or ITV. You know, get, you know do it with a panache and a certain um, respect. This is, this is the huge thing, respect for the genre. 
fantasy isn't just about elves and dragons and um love triangles and love triangles shinara chronicles um and fantasy isn't just jedi knights uh science fiction well fantasy isn't just about jedi knights and spaceships it can be like the expanse the expanse is a fantastic show that's talking about again human problems Mm -hmm. um that's what I want to see, and I, I just. I think that's a great point. Yeah, sometimes keeping it small and knowing what you're doing and mm. doing that really well, and having that yeah. all those character intrigues and that character web working beautifully well. Yeah, yep. need more of that definitely, I think, and I think that will be the backlash from these big, yeah, st- yeah staged productions. Yeah, when you say short short series, you mean like three four episodes kind of thing oh i'm i'm not really picking when it comes to the length right no i'm just curious like is that is that what the series you mentioned was like uh broad church is i think 10 episodes i think uh, it is yeah as in a complete story in 10 episodes yeah so yeah. almost like a mini series but yeah mm. and then and then you know yeah, you, yeah. you've got the sherlock series which is mm. just you know mini series so three episodes per season or, or yeah i'm all for that. the three eps i love yeah. it i wish we did that here yeah we do it more sort of mini series style here but um yeah three eps Mm. And, and you're out. It sounds great. And I understand for these, you know, just like Beowulf, which is a tragedy, and even on a production side, because you think about it and you're like, producers are scared now because they don't want if they're, you know, they're a smaller channel, they don't want to spend this kind of money on a show that just might bomb. Mm. Um, and that's that's a tragedy because that's a real tragedy, Luke. Um, yeah, you don't know tragedy. You don't know tragedy. This is a romantic comedy. <laughs> 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 you're just weeping in the corner now. Um, it's. And well, I just, that yeah. bravery is, I know it's scary because, man, that's a lot of money. It is. You know? And people, producers also want to know that it's got a second series. Mm. So if yeah. you're putting together a pitch document, a it's like a three-page pitch document or whatever, they want a little piece mm. saying, where do you see the second series going? Because they need to know that it really has legs. And that's just the pitch document yeah. stage. Uh, you yep. know, it's just you and the paper. <laughs> it's, you think, know, it's crazy. I think TV producers and the, the writers they're looking for could also take a leaf out of Neil Gaiman's book. Mm. Uh, because he, when he was writing his comic series, um, the the Sandman series, he mm. was he he had in mind that they were actually going to cancel the comic after twelve issues because the DC Comics did mm-hmm. a lot of that, and so he knew how to end. He, yeah, he already had it yep. planned out to stop there, mm. and yet the same series kept going for I think it was forty forty ish episodes. Mm. So if if TV series people were looking at thinking, okay, look. We can stop here. We've got a story that can end there. Mm. And if it does well, they can keep it going. Maybe a sequel, maybe a prequel, maybe a something yeah. else. Well, it doesn't have to be a prequel. I mean, it still can continue Anything, from yeah. where it is, but it There's can a be a, a spin-off or something mm-hmm. that goes from it. Yeah, Because yeah. that would that certainly would be better for smaller budget um, yeah. producers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like, I like that idea anyways. I've seen... Close it off after yeah. 12 Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I agree completely. Mm. Well, we've solved the world's problems when it comes to TV, but uh, again, I, I hope the I hope the conversation was useful uh, to the audience and that you appreciated our spitballing and just general conversation about this uh, topic. Um, wrapping up, let's see what everyone's got going on, where people can find them. Chelsea, let's start with you. So social media links, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you got coming up. Any special episodes on a very particular show? Um, well, I think my do- my Dr. Blakes are airing, you know, at some point, but I really couldn't tell you when Alrighty, <laughs> at this point. That, that'd be repeats. <laughs> um, uh, my Twitter is just Chelsea Cassio, but it's really not that interesting. Um, I'm doing an RMIT course, a screenwriting course. Um, it's called Write Your Television Pilot. 
um, television screenwriting for a local and global market. And it starts in, when is it? September 20th. And it, I think it's maybe 10 weeks. And that's, yeah, that's at RMIT. Um, mm. Also doing one for the Victorian Writers' Centre, but that's not until summer, which feels like so long away because um, <laughs> it's so cold right now. Yep. Um, yeah, I... Um, I have a blog as well, which I'm kind of proud of, which is australianscreenwriter.com.au. And I started that many years ago when I was trying to find resources, um, global and local, mm-hmm. and I've just put them all on one page, basically. So um, that's a fairly good resource for emerging and established screenwriters. Fantastic. Luke, what have you got coming up? I've still got a short story that I'm working on. That'll be coming yep. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still find that or updates on that anyways, at thesoulshard.com or on my Twitter feed as well, so this at the Soul Shard. Fantastic. Tweeting about lots of music and stuff as well. Cool. There you go. Yeah, he tweets more than me, so follow him instead of me. <laughs> um, but in case you don't, uh, this is uh, my Twitter is at thepenofjoel, thepenofjoel.com. I write about, generally speaking, fiction, but I did do an article about cultural appropriation and my thoughts on that. That was interesting. Um, Have a look at it. You might be surprised at the angle I take. Um, Inspired by a recent Continuum panel that I was on. Mm. Uh, The the spoilers I would give for that is keep an open mind uh, and look at topics, no matter how uncomfortable they are, from a practical, factual view and try and remove emotion out of the equation and you're more likely to get to the truth of the matter. But... If you do want to have emotional arguments, you can right. find us at themorningbell.com.au. Uh, and as always, they are open to your submissions. Guess what? You get published straight out. You submit, they publish you. The condition, the caveat, is that they work with you. They work with you to improve your story, to get you where you need to go. And when it's publishable, it's published. And the anthology will be coming out at the end of the year. So if you want your publishing experience and you want to get on the ground with editors, um, that's your chance. So check them out. uh, And they're willing to look at it. There you go. Uh, Brunswick Street Bookstore. Fantastic place. You should definitely come over sometime. Have a look at us jabbering on about what have you. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you then.